I am uh, blessed to be here. I told the, I told the first service, uh, I, this is what I do at this stage of my life. I travel and go to other churches. Uh, some of them become kind of favorites, and you guys are one of my favorites now. And I think it's because I love Mitch and Sarah so much. They're just uh, really wonderful people. And I am excited that they're on sabbatical. I, I pastored, I led our church for 38 years, and I think the reason I lasted that long was because I got to go on a couple sabbaticals, and, and it, each time I just refreshed and restored and got me back ready to, I, I, I could, when I came into town, you drive down a hill into our town, I could, it felt like a saddle was put on me again, <laughs> but I felt ready for it. And so I'm, I'm just praying God's going to bless you guys, to, and you have a wonderful time. So leave them alone, except to love them and be a friend to them, but, but don't say anything, no pastoral stuff. They don't have to do anything. Let them just have fun together and, and rest up and, and get restored and renewed and refreshed. And, and God will bless your church for that, for your care for your pastor. So uh, thank you for doing that. I have... A really simple word to preach today. I, I entitled it for his purpose, uh, but I actually originally was going to call it, What's It All About? <laughs> so if, you, if you've been a Christian for a while, for parts of it, you're going to think, well, I know that. Well, listen to it again, because uh, sometimes uh, God wants to say from the simple things and from the basic things, he wants to say new, fresh stuff to us. There's a, a quote at the beginning of it, of the message that and I think, I think it's up there. Um, Augustine uh, was uh, a fourth-century bishop. He was actually the bishop of Hippo, wherever Hippo was. It was actually in North Africa. And he was a rascal. And uh, maybe that's why I like him, because I was a rascal. That, that's a really nice word for jerk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he, and he had this encounter with Jesus, and it transformed his life. And, and much of the theology that we teach today, he, he had a real strong influence in it. If, if you read, I'm reading uh, his Confessions right now, which is really, a, really interesting. It's, it's actually written as a, a, a psalm of worship, and he, he, he just gets really honest with stuff in his life and talks about it. And, Anyway, he, he begins it with this quote. He says, Thou hast made us for thyself, God, O Lord, and, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. I, I got saved when I was four and a half. And I, in my young years, I had a really good relationship with the Lord. Jesus was my best friend. But when I, I got in my later years of high school, I went to the dark side. <laughs> And it was a really, really lonely time. At first, it was fun. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. So, and then, but then it became just lonely and dark. And, and my heart, I really identify with it. My heart was really restless. I, I, would, I was just looking for something. And when I was uh, uh, 29, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Alaska. And my heart found that place of rest. And it has resided there pretty much all the time since then. Now, I, I've messed up a whole bunch. But I still have that place. I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm home with Jesus. That's where I belong. And so I, I really understand that. I, I want to read a 
passage. I, I, I love the Bible, and uh, I love it all. I, I, I read through it. I'm on a Bible, like probably a lot of you, a Bible reading program. And I even appreciate Leviticus and, and uh, Numbers, and, and one of the Chronicles gets pretty, pretty name-heavy. But there, there are certain passages in the Bible that are, are uh, it's like they capture something. They're, they're, like, they're like star passages. And uh, my favorite uh, book in the New Testament is Ephesians. And my favorite passage in Ephesians is the one I want to read to you because it really encapsulates what we're all about. And so I, I want to read that and, uh, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. And hopefully God will do what he needs to do in each of your lives. We'll pray just before I preach, but I'm just going to read now, okay? Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so whatever one you're using, this is the best one. No, it's, uh, I, there's a whole bunch of arguments about it. this. I like this one because it's really easy to read, and, and I'm pretty simple. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commanders of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, that's all of you and me, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of your sinful nature. By our, our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So what he said, we were, we're all in the same boat. Now, some of you might have got saved in church. Like I, I was, my first real memory was getting saved. But, but there was something broken in us from the very start until Jesus began to fix it. Amen? And when we get saved, he really does this major, we're born again, and we're a new creation. But until then, we're in, this, in the same boat with everybody else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by, by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And seated us within the heavenly realms as we, because we were united with Christ Jesus. My, my grandfather was a preacher. And he, used to, he used to say, keep looking down. Keep looking down. I think there's a song about that. From the heights where your glory doth abound. Doth is an old word. And, and there's a sense that we're, the Bible says we're seated with Jesus. And so we, we should have a heavenly perspective. Now, how many know that's pretty hard to do when you live on earth? But, but still, we, we are seated with him spiritually. So God can point to us in all future ages the examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. It's shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So we're examples to all of creation of the wonderful grace of God. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God. None of us deserve to be here. And, and sometimes when you've been saved a long time, you can begin to think maybe you do deserve to be here. You don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not qualified to even go in your parking lot except for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And this, this is one of my three life scriptures. For we are Christ, we are God's masterpiece. King James, I think, says we're God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. I like masterpiece better. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
So that, that's the heart of God. He makes us a masterpiece so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Sometimes I have to explain this. Together means you pray with me. And uh, we're, then we'll get into the word and we'll talk about this. So put your hand on your heart and pray with me. All right. Lord Jesus, this morning, I bring my heart and my mind to you. I pray that you speak to me. I pray that you teach me. And I pray you reveal yourself to me. Help me to understand, to receive, and to walk in truth that sets me free. Thank you, Jesus. Fathers, we've prayed for open hearts and open minds. Lord, I, I pray now you would do that work that only you can do in each person. God, you know the circumstances of their life. You know the, the, you know the struggles. You know the joys. You know the journey. You know everything about them. And God, you know where they are right now, today. God, where they are spiritually, emotionally, physically, socially, in every way, God. And so I pray you would take my words and you'd breathe life onto them. And God, then you would tailor make it for each person and you'd speak to their unique condition of life and bring life to them. God, anoint my words, my thoughts in this time together and bring your glory to your people in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right. So I'm going to kind of give, build a little case here for something. I'm going to give you four things. First of all, the Bible says that we were dead. The scripture says once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, and then goes on to say he made you lie, but first he says that that was your state. Even, again, uh, some of you maybe never really spent any time other than connected to Jesus and, and the church. You still, you were born into a place of death. In uh, Ephesians 2.12, that's two verses on from this passage I just read, it says, uh, you lived in the world without God and, and without hope. When I, I remember the, one of the first times I read that, one of the first times I, I, like I caught it, it actually terrified me. The people you, you live around without God have no hope. One of my, my concerns as a pastor and dealing with Christians is sometimes in, in, in media and in conversations, and Christians can get kind of a belligerent attitude towards the world. You know, I don't like that culture. I, you know, I don't like that politician. I, I'm not going to do a political thing here. but And, and, and we're, we're almost like, I, I hate that place because I'm a Christian. I'm with the people of God. The Bible says they don't have hope. People live next door to you, the people you go to school with, people you work with without Jesus. And so people without hope have to manufacture some kind of hope. You, you, you can't live without something to look. And so what they, what they do is they have false hope or or. One of the things that's really common in young people is what's called nihilism, where, where they, they, they just say, there is no hope in the world. It's just dark and black, and I'm going to wear black, and I'm going to look black, because 
I, I, and it's, it's all motivated by this. It, they, don't, they don't have any hope. They, uh, another term that's used in the Bible is that they're in darkness. There's a, a cavern in Montana that uh, Lewis and Clark Caverns, and people, you, you go on a tour down to the bottom, and then they turn off the lights. And it's, it's, it's a blackness that you can feel. You, you can put your hand, like, you, you literally can see, because there's no, you know, you're, you know, several hundred feet down below ground, and, and there's no light at all. That's what the Bible says is the condition that was in your life, but is also in the life that, of people that maybe don't talk right or don't act right, and, and it bothers you. What our response should be is compassion. You're, you're, you're dealing with people, uh, the people that you see in the news. And, and I, I, I mean, I get upset with things too, but honestly, it's because people, they, they literally have no hope. And, and I, I think we have hope, but I think God wants us to remember that we didn't have hope before Jesus. Not, not to go back, but so that we're compassionate for the people that are there. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been in your town since uh, I got here Friday, and there's just a lot of people need Jesus. And, and I, I, I find myself praying for them and thinking about them. And, and the only hope they have is what you can bring to them. You have hope, they don't have hope. Anyways, that communicate, we were, we, that was our state before, before Jesus. Number two, he gave us life, and it's a work of grace. And again, this stuff, if you're a Christian, this is basic. If you're not, it's good for you to hear this because we, we can give you hope at the end of the service. I'll, I'll help you find hope. In Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 and 18. This is actually my life scripture, my number one scripture. Uh, I, I have three scriptures written on the wall of my church, and I let the, the young guys uh, redecorate the church. You know, they made the stage all black for video, and... It's all, it's hip and cool and everything. But I said, those scriptures have to be somewhere on this church. And so they're on these giant canvases, and they're written out on the side of our church because they're, they're, they're what our church is about, what our foundation is. And, and this one here in particular, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun, and all this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. When, when, when you get saved, you don't get better. You don't get fixed. You get new. And, and as a Christian, you, you walk with a God whose mercies are new every morning. When I, uh, uh, I, I said I got saved as a little boy, I can, I can remember a little Southern Baptist church in in uh, Medicine Lake, Oklahoma. And I can remember walking down the aisle, and, I, and I, my memory is that there were angels in the room. I mean, it was significant. And, and when I was a boy, I really had a close, I, I was a chubby little guy, but I had really cute girlfriends, and it's because I had a good prayer life. I, I, I mean, I just talked to Jesus about everything. I, seriously, everything was going on in my life, I would talk. But when I left, then, then I entered this really dark time, when I came back to the Lord, 
I, I was already saved. So I've never known a time in my life without hope. But I do know a time of, of the hope was pretty distant. When I came back to the Lord, the Lord did something he often does with us when we come to Jesus, is that he helps us deal with our past. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe you never had a past, but believe me, I, I did. And you, you, it would be impossible to repent for everything you did wrong. At least in my life, it would be. And so God would almost, it's almost like he'd take representative things and make me deal with those to kind of show me that it was all dealt with. Does that make sense? One day I was, uh, I saw a person from my past. I live in this little town in Alaska. And I saw a person from my past and I was just ashamed. I, it wasn't so much the things I did, it's how I treated people that bothered me the most. When I, you know, when your heart gets tender. And I, and I, I, I was working the night shift and I've been working, I'm thinking, God, I am so sorry. And, and I, my, my job was, uh, I was an operator in a, like a refinery. And so I'm alone by myself most of the night, walking around, checking things. And so it's a great time to pray. And I'm, all night I'm praying, God, I'm so sorry. If I see that person again, I will repent to them. I will do what, I'll do whatever you want. I, I mean, I really was grieved. But I kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many of you have ever done that? When you do something wrong, you just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I've had times in my life when I've, like God really spoke to me, I, I think he probably talks to us all the time, but where I really almost heard a voice. And, it's, and in that case, it's almost always he's trying to change the way I think. Not, not because he's mad at me, but because I don't see things the right way. And, and he said this to me. He said, son, a dead man did that. And it was like, a, like this light went off in my heart that the person that did that no longer existed. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And Galatians says that. And, and I, I was learning that, that I, I believe I need to repent for things in my past and make them right if I can. But that person doesn't exist anymore. I'm a new creation in Jesus. Amen? And, and so what this verse tells me is that everybody can have hope. The, the worst people that you know, the people that bother you the most, God can transform their life and their heart. I, I pray for our leaders because the Bible tells me to. And I, 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 actually, I used to pray regularly for Nancy Pelosi when she was Speaker of the House. And I'd tell that to churches, and, and there'd be a gasp sometimes, you know, because a lot of you guys are radical Republicans. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, I, I pray for her. You know, I find myself really, uh, like, loving her and and tender i'm still pray for her occasionally i just god she needs jesus see and and, and god wants that kind of heart in our uh, in us because we're a work of grace and anybody who comes to jesus can be a new person amen so I, what i want to get to is number three this is actually the point i really want to focus on today the bible says that we're his masterpiece so we're a new creation but we're a masterpiece Ephesians 2.10, we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good works that he planned for us long ago. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, you, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Uh, you, you, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are who you're supposed to be. 
on all different levels. The way that you're physically and emotionally put together is actually the way God wanted you to be. Now, I, I realize there are things that God changes over time and over the, the redeeming power of his word. It works as I understand that. But you're still the stuff in your life physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially all has, when, when you give your life to Jesus and your life is surrendered to him, in Romans uh, eight twenty eight says, all things work together of, uh, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't mean all things are good or seem good, but God takes everything in your life to form and shape who you are. Some, some of you have had some real hurts in your life. Some of you, there are things that you will wish were different about you. In fact, my, my experience with people is almost everybody wishes in certain ways they were different. Wish they were taller, shorter, skinnier. Most people don't want to be chubbier, but some people like to have a little more meat on their bones. Smarter, could sing, what, whatever. We, we, we're not, we don't tend to be real content, but you are who God made. And he uses all those things. Some things he, he brings into your life to shape you. Some things the world, just because we live in a sinful world, are perpetrated against you. And all those, though, if your life is surrendered to God, he'll use all that to make you into the person you are so that you can do his purposes. Let me give you an example. I was born slow. Now, and I'm not talking about the birth itself, but I was just really slow. If we were all in our prime, some of you are in your prime, but but some of you aren't, and I'm not. But if we were all in our prime, we went out in the parking lot and had a race, I'd, I'd be last. In the uh, ninth grade, I got lapped in an 880. We ran two times around the track, and before I'd finished once, other guys had done it twice. I mean, I'm, I was really, really slow. Now, I, I had other gifts in my life. I was, you know, I'm a... I'm a mixture of stuff, but that, that, I love sports, but I, I was horrible because I, I was just slow. Uh, I, I, like, I can play golf because I have fairly good hand-eye coordination, but, man, I just, like, wow. Now, I'm, I'm 76 years old, and I really don't care that I'm slow now because everybody my age is slow. But when you're a, a teenager, that's a big deal, and it actually caused a lot of, hurt in my life when I was a kid and I would learn to to be sick on play days or, or field days when we had them in grade school and but sometimes I couldn't like when we ran the track and and I went off for basketball I love basketball but but we had to run wind sprints and I'm like, wow, cut him <laughs> when, when I was 50 years old I was having some problems with my leg, I had surgery and I was having some problems with my uh, feeling in my legs. And, I, and so the VA sent me to uh, the VA doctor in, in Helena, that's about 90 miles from our home. And he put a probe in my foot and then he put another probe, it's a big needle, but he, he put a probe up here and then they run a, a signal through that to see how your nerves work. And he goes, oh, he said, you're quick twitch is half of normal. I, I'm 50 years, I'm laying on this table, I almost started bawling. It, it, for one thing, it just explained one of my biggest hurts in my life and pain in my life. And so I'm, 
I'm driving home and I'm processing this, this with the Lord. I felt like he said this to me. He said, Bob, I made you slow. And I was, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> by the end, of, it's a 90-mile drive. By the end of the drive, I was saying, Lord, thank you that you made me slow. I, I actually believe I'm a different person because I'm slow. And when, when it caused insecurity and difficulty when I wasn't following Jesus, but when I began to follow him, I believe he used all that to form me. I, I'm, I'm actually, it makes me more compassion to people that have weakness Be, because I had a, like a physical, I just couldn't do it. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story because here's the thing. You, you, you've got stuff in your life. Maybe you're picked on, maybe you're abused, maybe what, whatever. And, and it just seems so unfair. But let me tell you, serving Jesus is not fair. And, and it's not about fairness. It's about his work in our life for his purposes. I, I've told this story about being slow a number of times in our church and preaching different places. When I was preparing this message, I, I, uh, I was actually laying in bed praying, and I kind of I think prayers. I, does anybody else do that? I'm not, a, I'm not really great at, hey, God, I'm talking. I'm more talk to God quiet, privately. Anyway. And he, he brought something to my memory that I totally forgot about. When I, when I was 18, my last years of high school, I started running away from God, which also caused problems with my parents, obviously. They were, they were really concerned about me. And then when I went to the military, that was a big deal in my family. My dad was a, he's a highly decorated war veteran. He has silver star and bronze, couple bronze stars. And, and the military big, was big in our family, and now I was going into the military. So we, it kind of knit us together a little bit. And when I went to boot camp, it actually, uh, I did really well. It kind of started straightening some things out. Now, I, I didn't, I, I'm looking back on it. When it was there, I was grumbling and complaining about everything. But even some leadership began to come out of me, and I, I was made the commander of our company. We're, we were in companies of 80, so I, I carried a sword. Everybody else carried a rifle, and when we'd march, I'd carry a sword, and then we'd go by, we'd salute, they'd, and I'd, I'd go like this with a sword. I, I told this in our church, and a guy, I saw a guy on, the, on, the, on, uh, on our main street in, on Monday, and he said, Pastor Bob, he said, uh, were you in the Calvary? He said, you carried a sword. I said, how old do you think I am? <laughs> so it, I was with Custer, yeah, I did. But it, I was in the Navy, and I boot, in boot camp he did that. I was actually selected as honor man, the top recruit in my company. And then I was one of three that were picked for the whole division brigade, I guess it was called. So, so I, it was really, and my parents were really proud of this. My dad was, you know, it was a big deal. And then one day they said, we need to do a PT, which is physical test. And my heart sank. And... You had to do several things. One of the things you had to do was this uh, timed shuttle run. You had to run down and back, down and back, I think. And you had 60 seconds to do it in. And I was terrified. If I failed it, I would have had to go to a remedial company. I would have lost all the honors I had. And then if I failed it there, I would have been, I would have been discharged. Where my head was at, where my heart was at, 
that could have actually could have made me suicidal. I, I, I'm thinking back on that. So I'm running this course, and I, I was probably in the best shape I've ever been in my life. I'm running as hard as I possibly can. And there's a drill instructor with a stopwatch, and he goes, 56, 57, 58, 59, 56, 57, 58, 59, 56, 57. I'm, I'm not exaggerating about slow. 58, 59, 60. And I passed. And what I realized, this is what God spoke to me. When he, I, I totally forgot about that until like about a month ago when I was preparing this message. And he said, Bob, I, I, I made you slow. I, I gave you a weakness, but I'm with you in your weaknesses. I, I really want you to hear that. Because sometimes when we're broken or we're hurting or, or we, we don't like who we are, you, you know, God, he, he's not going, he doesn't do it to hurt us. He does it because he has unique purposes for us. I, last night I was, uh, Mitch and I had dinner, but I, I went to get it. I was, I'm in a line and I had time and I, so I'm just scrolling through my phone. And I read this story uh, that just fit with what I'm saying. How many have ever seen from the Vietnam War? It's probably the most famous picture from the Vietnam War. It's a, a young girl. She's probably six or seven years old. She has her arms in the air, and she's running away. She, she was, her village was hit by napalm. The clothes had been burned off, and she'd been burning her body. And she's crying and running. It's, it's powerful. It won the Pulitzer Prize. How many have seen that picture? Here's, here's the rest of that story. She had about 17 operations because she was really hurt. She ended up being a refugee coming to Canada. <laughs> she met Jesus. And now God uses her to work with refugees and displaced persons. And she stated publicly, I have forgiven everybody involved in that, including the pilot and the people that ordered the pilot. This, listen. You're supposed to be the way you are. And sometimes it's really not fair. We're not, we're not all created equal. We, we, we are equal in the eyes of God, but we're not, we don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same lives. And some of us go through really painful stuff. But when our lives are surrendered to God, he takes that, even what seems like a mess, and he uses it for his purposes because he sees far in advance. And when we get to heaven, we'll go, wow. Look what you did, Lord. You're, you're a masterpiece. I, I actually, I'm, when I get home, I'm going to do some research on that little girl because that just blew my mind because I was in Vietnam. And I, I mean, that really was impactful, even the picture. Let me tell you another way you're a masterpiece. And then we'll get to the last point. The Bible says that God made him. This is in, in uh, First, uh, Second Corinthians five nineteen said God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, so this is what what it means. What, what, what's your name? Loretta. Jesus took Loretta's sin. I, I have you. You could be the nicest person in the world, never sinned hardly at all, or you could be more like me. 
But when you gave your life to Jesus, have you done that? All right, I kind of figured that. So when you did that, what happened is he took all your sin off of you and put it on Jesus. That, you know, if you've seen the passion of Christ, we think how horrible the cross is. That's just symbolic of what really took place. All my junk, all your junk went on Jesus. And if it went on him, it's not on you anymore, Loretta. So then what God says is Loretta is holy. Now, here's why that's important. Because she's holy, now God can live inside of her. You're, you are possessed of God. And everywhere you go, God is with you and never leaves you, never forsakes you. And so you're this wonderful masterpiece of creation with all the brokenness and stuff. God calls it all masterful. And then he also says, I'm, I'm going to be in you so that you can do my purposes. Uh, somebody say amen or hallelujah. That's really good, isn't it? You're a holy temple of God. Not because you put your life together, but because God chose you and, and freed you from all that stuff and made you this wonderful new creation that he lives in now. And so all, all the things that have hurt you, all the things you don't like. All right, let's go to point number four, and we'll finish up with that. Point number four is that, that it is, in fact, for his purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, we can, so that we can do the good things he planned long ago. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors. Uh, everyone here is a, if you're born again you're an ambassador for Jesus remember where he talked about he said so that he could demonstrate his grace in you to whoever you're on so everywhere you go you represent the wonderful grace and mercy and hope that's in Jesus where God's, God's making his appeal through us we speak, when, we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God for everything comes from him this is Romans 11:36. this is great scripture too Everything comes from him, everything exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. So my life belongs to God. And he uniquely formed me. One of the things he formed me with was sloth. Not sloth, but sloth. Sloth. I don't know how to actually say that, but it's a lack of speed, all right? And and there's other things in my life. There's there's hurts that I had, or there's there's things that have been done to me that were wrong. There's things that I got involved in that were wrong. And that all that, God uses all that so that I can now be a vessel for his grace. So here, here's how this works. And, I, and this is where you've got to capture. Not everybody's gonna, supposed to go down the street corner and start preaching Jesus. In fact, most of you shouldn't. And, and I wonder even if any of you should. But you need to take who you are and let God use that in the way that he wants. Let me, let me read this last scripture. This is a great scripture. This is from the Message Bible. Romans 12.1 says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I'll show you a really simple way this works. When, when I came here, I checked into hotel. When I checked into hotel, 
there was a welcome basket from your church. Now, I want to show you how this works. Because you were faithful to do God, what God gives you a gift to do. The lady said to me, that's really sweet of that church. So now I could say, that's a really good church. You should go there. <laughs> and when I left this morning, I said to her again, I said, I lost my hat. It was in Mitch's office, actually. She said, can I get the number of that church? If I find it, I'll call you. So I've, given, I've had a couple of times to tell her about this really nice church in a very non-assuming way because you were faithful to who God made you. Do, do you see that? My, my mom prayed for over 100 people every day for years. And she was just loving to people, really she just was kind. She, I, when I'd go over to the house, she, she, every downtrodden person in the church, she, she would say, well, you need to go talk to him, Bob. You need to go talk to them. And my dad would say, leave the boy alone. I'm 50 years old. Leave the boy alone. <laughs> but, but she just had this really gift of compassion. Some of it had to do with the way she was raised. She wasn't treated kindly when she was a girl. And it was just in her heart to be kind. My mom told me one time, she said, I've never led anybody to, I never prayed with anybody to receive the Lord. Maybe one person, she said, but I, I, I'm not, and she felt kind of bad about it. I said, Mom, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people in heaven because of your faithfulness to Jesus. So you take who you are, that unique formation of God, and, and we're all different. You, you understand that? We're supposed to be different. <laughs> it, it, some, I, I, I'm, I'm aggressive. My wife is, 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 I had a lady, we pray at the end of the service, and I had this lady come up for prayer, and I said, um, she said, uh, I, I said, I don't believe I met you. She says, I'm your wife's target lady. I said, well. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty out there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty focused. But my wife has people she works with in different stores that she's just friendly to for years sometimes. And sometimes they come to church. So now the target lady had come, and she'd just gone through our Discover track, and she's connecting to the church because my wife is kind. When, when I think, I look mean. I, I don't mean to, but I just do. I, in fact, seriously, I, I had a, a guest speaker from England one time, and his wife came over to me in the middle of the sermon and said, are you, are you upset? I said, no, no, I'm just thinking. <laughs> and so when I go into stores, Cindy will say, Bob, I've been working on these people. You be nice. <laughs> Quit thinking and smile. See? Now, do you understand we're all different? So whoever you are, however God shaped you, First of all, be thankful for it, and then secondly, surrender to Jesus, even the hurts and the wounds in your life, and then what you see, God brings glory out of that, and he brings people to Jesus. You, you really are a masterpiece. Actually, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I believe by the Spirit of God, God wanted you to hear that today, that there's something unique and wonderful and special about God's work in your life, 
and, and it's a gift to other people. So, and I, I don't know you, but you can take that for, from the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay. I, I, I want to pray for you, and we'll close. Go ahead and bow your heads. I want to pray for two situations. First of all, uh, there's probably a number of you that wish you were different. And you struggle. You struggle with it. Maybe circumstances that happen in your life or the way you're made. And I, I believe Jesus wants to give you a new vision for that today. So if that's you, everybody should be praying. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to single you out, but I want to pray for you. If that's you, I, I want to. I want to get excited about who I am and be who I am all for Jesus' sake. The, the second group I want to pray for, there may be people here who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you came today and just kind of checking it out. Maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've never made that commitment to the Lord. You've never been born again. Or maybe you're like me. You've been running away from God and you need to come home. If, if that's you, everybody else should be praying. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. If there's anyone like that. That's just my, that's my passion, to see people come to Jesus. Because it, it transforms them from the inside out. One more time. just don't want to rush this, but if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ... Right. Uh, nobody's raised their hand. In first service, we had a lady raise her hand. I, I want to encourage you, go bring some of those people in. And, and maybe you need to do it by being a nice target lady. But bring them in. Really, just, just next week, invite somebody to church. Everybody invite somebody to church next week. Because Jesus does the work. You, don't have, you, you couldn't make it work anyway. All right, Lord, you, you see the hands of people that uh, struggle with maybe circumstances or who they are, how they're made. God, I pray you give them a new gratitude and thanksgiving for the uniqueness of your work in their life. God, you didn't cause everything to happen, but God, you allowed things to happen. And God, sometimes you actually did a work in us and you even, even gave us weaknesses so we'd be more dependent on you. God, I pray a new joy, a new acceptance and a new sense of purpose and vision to walk in the uniqueness of how you've made each of us so that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for this church. Bless it in Jesus' name. And again, all people said, amen.